Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. How are you? Uh, thank you for downloading the podcast. Let's address the elephant in the room first. This has been slightly more difficult for you to get than normal, hasn't it? Because you'll have looked on your little must-see audio feed, which is where you usually find a hot lap when I do one, and uh, it's not fucking there, is it? No, because we've gone and we've signed up to a sports podcast network called Sport the Sports Social Podcast Network. Um, yeah, they got in touch with me and it seemed like a good idea, seemed like a good way to grow the podcast. They're um, a growing sports podcast network in the UK. I looked at some of the podcasts they do. It's lots of football stuff if you're interested in football. Uh, there's a snooker podcast, I like snooker. I'll probably go and listen to that myself. Um, and there's no other motorsport podcasts on there. So at the minute, I am fucking king, fucking king of sports social podcasts network podcast for podcasting motorsport look at me king in an empty country like it um so yeah now i'm looking forward to working with the guys obviously you've noticed that i i've freshened the podcast up we've got new theme tune new logo and stuff like that thank you to a friend of musty audio susie manton for uh, making the logo for me because i am fucking awful at drawing anything so yeah um on the podcast logo, I have a t-shirt store now on Spreadshirt. Oddly enough, can't seem to find it. Can't seem to find it on Spreadshirt. So uh, if you look on my socials, if you're interested in getting a t-shirt with that logo on it, it'll be on my Twitter, which is at Total Shunt. I'll have stuff on my Instagram, which is at Total Shunt. You can always send me a PM and I'll send you the links for it if you're interested in getting something. Uh, the only other thing uh, to mention is if you listen to this on a web browser... Uh, or uh, 
whatever pop-up player might have come up, come around and you used to listen to this on your iPhone or iPad or Mac, um, Apple, oh, to be perfectly honest, anything else that iTunes usually scrape the RSS feeds, for, sorry, anything else that scrapes the RSS feeds from iTunes, which is quite a lot of things, I think. Um, iTunes are a little bit funny when it comes to submitting podcasts. I've done it myself a few times uh, in the past, and it takes a few more days. It takes a few more days to, uh, for it to come through than it would do for, say, Spotify or Google Podcasts or Spreaker, for instance. So, um, yeah, the the links will be there. Like, if, if you one day you will search for the Hot Lab on Apple Podcasts or on these different things and it will be there so if you're if within the next couple of days if you still can't find hotlap on your preferred platform for podcasts get in touch with me i can get in touch with them and say what's the fucking deal my my boys while listen to me can't fix it so that's that's how i work um that's all that nonsense out of the way and i managed to do it in three minutes and 20 seconds great so we have kicked off the Formula One season. It's fucking started, it feels. Even though we had such an, a short off season, um, it feels like it's took for ages. And then we've had uh, like such a short, small amount of testing where we didn't really know what was going on. Then practice came around, we didn't really know what was going on. And even in qualifying, we didn't really know where the cars were. We knew um, Max Verstappen was quick. We could see Lewis Hamilton was quick, but there's something going on with that car. Uh, behind, like the McLarens were in the mix, but we couldn't really see where the McLarens were in the mix. Uh, the Ferraris looked quick at times. Um, Austin Martin looked in the bin. Alpine looked in the bin as well. Um, and then qualifying came around, and we realised, well, Alpine, in the hands of Fernando Alonso, like one of the best qualifying performances I've seen for a long time in somebody in like a lower mid grid car. You know, that's like that that was pretty awesome what Fernando did in qualifying. And it was it was odd because in three all through testing, he was nowhere. All through practice, he was nowhere. And that's FP one, two and three. All of a sudden on Saturday when there's something that actually matters and there's like a time where some talent needs to be pulled out of the bag, Fernando finds finds like a second and a half to get himself in the top 10. Absolutely phenomenal effort. So yeah, I mean, that was happy, but uh, it was a shame to see him go out because he was mixing it. You know, he was he was doing what Fernando does. I remember I was listening to another motor racing podcast the other day. I'm not going to say the name, not because I'm being a knob, because I can't remember which one it was. Um, and someone pointed out that within the paddock, people say that Fernando Alonso was worth half a second in the machineries in. And um, I I can thoroughly believe that. When you look at what he managed to do in that Alpine, I, I thoroughly believe it. I, he's clearly lost none of his talent. Um if they can give him a half-decent car, he is going to give us some exceptional performances. So, yeah, Fernando out with a brake issue. That was a shame. Uh, Nicholas Latifi, a standard Nicholas Latifi race, I think. He did absolutely nothing, finished last. Um, one of the biggest wastes of a seat on the grid. If if not, I mean, at least Mazepin was exciting. Um I would say now Stroll has kind of picked himself together a little bit. 
got to be the worst driver on the grid, Annie Latifi. He shouldn't be there. Um, Pierre Gasly was 17th in the Alpha Tauri. He lost a front wing, I believe. Um, I can't remember who. Lo- oh, did he hit the back of Daniel Ricciardo? Uh, I I was really worried about that because I thought he clipped Lando Norris, and that would that would have upset me greatly as well. Uh, shame for Pierre Gasly. Alpha Tauri looks like a good car, doesn't it? Uh, I think that should be up there with the McLarens. It's got that sort of pace. Uh, certainly in Pierre Gasly's hands, you would expect it to have that sort of pace if it's got it because he's not a rookie. Um, I, he's going to have a good year, isn't he? You know, it's he's he's he, he's almost like a when you consider how his career went in Red Bull, it's really odd, isn't it? Like first you'd look at him as being this crashy guy, which. Was probably going to fall out of, out of Formula One, and now you kind of look at Pierre Gasly. He's, and he always won a race. Um, I don't know if he's world championship material, but he's certainly like a safe pair of hands when it comes with a Formula One car. So yeah, uh, I think he's going to have a great, great year. It wouldn't surprise me if he managed to get a podium at some point. Uh, I think another win might be out of his reach, but oh, without huge shenanigans, but. Uh, yeah, Pierre Gasly, I think, is in for a good year. Um, Mick Schumacher, I don't think he's in for a good year. I think he's going to have a long, old toil in that Haas. Uh, he had a spin on the restart. Um, just got to see how it goes for him, really. I mean, he's everything he's done, he's been a slow starter in. You know, it's, he did the same thing kind of in G- uh, GP2 as he did in Euro Formula 3. I think it was Euro Formula 3 and not official Formula 3. I'm sure it's Euro. But uh, yeah, he beat Dan Tichtum in whatever fo- whatever flavour of Formula 3 that was. And uh, he didn't really do a lot in the first half of the season Then won a load of races in the second half of the season and won the championship. He's not winning a race in that Haas, but we might see him constantly putting uh, Mazep into bed and that's, that's kind of all we can really hope. I mean, that car is last year's car. You know, it's every everyone else has done so, like quite a lot to the car, barring Alpine. Alpine, I think it is, which is oh no, um, Austin Martin is a completely new car. But um, yeah, that I mean that's the same car as last year, just with bits either bolted on or taken off it to adhere with the rules. Uh, they've already said they're going to focus on next year. Um, it's it seems it seems a shame, doesn't it? It seems a shame that the Schumacher name has come back into Formula One and it's in a proper shit tip of a car. So we'll just have to see. We'll have to see how he goes. Um, I, I don't expect a lot, but he finished ahead of Latifi and Pierre Gasly in this race. So he wasn't last. It's good. Um, in front of him was another German, which I expected to be further up the grid. It was Sebastian Vettel. Now, we need to talk about Sebastian Vettel because... He's uh, caught out by yellow flags in qualifying. Then apparently he didn't adhere to one of them, which meant he got a five-place grid, grid drop. Right. This is Sebastian Vettel look, if ever you've seen it. Right. So what happens now? Um, He goes into the race, and he doesn't have a bad race. Like... I'm, I messaged a couple of people through the race who were saying, uh, oh, it's, you know, it's Vettel's done. And I was like, well, you know, come on, he's he started last. 
he's running a really weird strategy to try and stretch tires out. You know, it's he's doing he's doing all right. He might scrape a point here, and that's I I thought he was going to end up in the points, and then he goes and creams into the back of Esteban Ocon. Um, accuses Ocon of moving under braking and like there is nothing you could test a spirit level with how straight Ocon was driving at the time that Vettel said he was veering right so you know it's I mean it, it was it, it was next level race and driver excuses what happened with Vettel there so I I don't I don't want to say Vettel's done because I I think it's really I think it's horrible. I don't. I don't want him to be done. I just want him to get himself together and get him get whatever problems he's got under control and move forward. The issue is, is I've always said this that Vettel's problem was after the uh, that sort of heavy aero time went of the double diffusers. Um, when that went, and that's when Vettel went, and he's. It's it's like he he was designed to be in Formula One when it, when it had, when Formula One had traction control because he likes to get a car, a car through a corner and boot it on the way out of the corner and he needs that really stable grippy rear end behind him to do that and he just cannot do it in the well he couldn't do it in the Red Bull last year not the Red Bull he couldn't do it in the Ferrari last year. And he's come to Austin Martin thinking he was going to get the planted rear end that the Mercedes has, but in a green packaging. And he hasn't got it. It's because the fucking new rules have taken the rear grip away from Mercedes. Mercedes, as we always see this, we saw it last year with Ferraris, Haas and um, who's the other Ferrari? Alfa Romeo. Uh, We saw it last year where... Because Ferrari struggled, they really struggled. And in the same way this year, because Mercedes is struggling, Austin Martin is really struggling because of the technical hookup they've got. McLaren are getting away with it because all they do is buy, they are literally customer engines. They just buy the engine and everything everything that's wrapped around that engine is a McLaren. So it, I can't, it doesn't look like a bad car. Stroll did a reasonable job in it. So I'm worried. I'm worried about Sebastian Vettel. We'll just have to see how he gets on. But I'm 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 going to keep saying this as well because it's the first race. I'm sorry if you get I'm sorry if you get sick of me saying we'll see how they get on because that's all we can do. It's a fucking it's a championship, isn't it? We can't we can't take them at the back and shoot them as much as I'd like to get somebody else in a Williams that deserves to be there. But yeah, it's we can't do it anyway. In front of Sebastian Vettel in 14th was George Russell. Um, fairly uneventful race for George. He was mixing it with people when he was there, usually because he was out of position because of pit stops and stuff like that. We know how good George could be. We, we've, seen, we've seen what happens when you give him a good car. We're, uh, we're going to skip over George because I'm going to mention him a little bit later on because uh, part of the new thing I'm going to do for the podcast is uh, take at the once we've run down the race is go through three talking points which I think are the maybe not the three biggest talking points but the three most interesting talking points I think we've got coming out of coming out of each race. Um, Esteban Ocon was thirteenth. He was running much better than that before he got creamed by Sebastian Vettel. Um, I can't remember what position he was in. I think they were just outside the points where they were like tenth and eleventh. 
uh, or oh, 11th and 12th. Anyway, not a great day for Esteban Ocon. Didn't appear to have the same pace as Fernando Alonso when Fernando Alonso had brakes. So if you're like me and you are a, a worshipper of the Alonso cult, that's quite good. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what will happen next weekend, or not next weekend, in three weeks, in three weeks' time when he's a... Uh, he, you know, you can get a good lap in and qualifying, or hopefully get a good lap in and qualifying. Maybe, maybe we'll see, maybe we'll see, we'll see him uh, fighting Fernando a little bit more. But I don't know. I th- I think I think Fernando is going to murder Ocon over the over the course of the year. Uh, Antonio Giovinazzi, pretty uneventful race. Much as Kimi Raikkonen's race was much was an uneventful race. I fancied that Alfa Romeo was quicker than eleventh and twelfth. And I was wrong. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. A more professional person would edit that out. Um, yeah, I I, fa- I fancied them to be up there, maybe with the Ferraris, uh, a bit closer. But I, I I think they're I think they're behind the Alpine in like real race trims. So that's not great when you look at who we've passed. I mean. We, uh, I would say on pace, Alfa Romeo are ahead of Haas, Williams, and that's about it because I think the Alpine is a better car than the Alfa. So, yeah, that's not it's not great for Alfa Romeo. Like I said, they, they looked a lot tidier. You know, it looked like a good race car, and there's been plenty of engineers like Gary Anderson to come out and say, look, it, you know, it looks like a tidy, a tidy little car. But maybe maybe this is circuit dependent. See, the other thing we need to look at here is is the wind was so high. Uh, I think they were saying it was like 30, 30 kph on the straight headwind. Um, so if if your if your car's like I mean all the cars aero dependently, so come on. But you know if if you're if you've got some pretty tricky aero on your car, then that's really really going to affect you, especially if you've got any sort of imbalances as well. Uh, Lance Stroll saw the points out in number 10. Number 10 in 10th. Coming in, number 10. Uh, no, in 10th, Lance Stroll, Austin Martin's first points uh, back in Formula 1. I have no idea when it was that Austin Martin will last in Formula 1. I'm not the one for trivia. I'm the one for right now. Don't, don't, look, don't look back. We can't learn anything from the past. If history has taught us anything, we should, we should ignore the past. Um... Not a bad race. Uh, I like I said. I thought at one point both him and Vettel would have, would have managed to get into the points. Uh, Lance Stroll just doing Lance Stroll stuff. He's he's kind of like the anti barometer of a car. I think Lance Stroll. It's he can do a solid job in a car, but you kind of always know that car's probably got about three or four tenths in it that he can't extract. So it's a better car than tenth. Let's say that. Well, again, it's all we're going to have to do is see what happens in a few races time when these things settle down, because there's so many stories. It's even like after qualifying, I was there going, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where everybody is. And realistically, I I still don't past past McLaren and Red Bull being rapid. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how the order falls after that. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda. A great debut for him. Uh, I actually had five pounds on him, five English pounds from him to manage to sneak a podium. What an 
idiot I was, I won nothing this weekend, and I I put loads of bets on loads of little bets on stupid like eighty to one things, and yeah, it, I I the closest I got was I did put a fiver on Lando Norris to score a podium when it was fifty to one. Oh, it was not fifty. Was it 50, 20, 25 to 1 for the podium? It was 50 to 1 for the win, wasn't it, when I did it? Um, yeah, so I thought at one point maybe Bottas would help me out, but he didn't. Uh, yeah, great debut. I think Sonoda's going to be really good. You know, it's, we are... Anyone that's, that's watched Formula 1 for a long time will be used to Japanese drivers coming in and for some reason it's just not working for them. Um, Takuma Sato being like the prime example of it because that guy now is you know he, he he's a good driver he does good things he has spectacular crashes or he wins the Indy 500 that's all he does in IndyCar he either wins the Indy 500 or like he ends a race in a fireball um, but yeah like it's it's just never really translated into Formula 1 Sonoda uh, in case you didn't listen to me talk about this on Three Legs, Four Wheels a couple of weeks ago, uh, he's only been driving racing cars, racing cars for three and a half years. I have a three and a half year old son. So from the day like he came, he came out and I wiped like womb fluid off him. Um, from that day to today, it took me three and a half years to stop and pooing himself to walk and to have basic conversations with me. And I mean, basic conversations like, shall we watch Power Rangers? Yes, dad, let's watch Power Rangers. Which one's your favorite one? The red one, dad. Great. Uh, that's what, what it took me to do in three and a half years with a, with a human being. Snowder got into a car at the same point I had a child and he became a Formula One driver in the same length of time it took me to find out whether my son liked the green or the red Ranger. That's pretty fucking phenomenal. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not... I, 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 there seems to be people sort of... I, I don't know the word. I don't know what word I should use, but almost fetishizing them. You know, he's being like this. I think think they kind of want him to be maybe some sort of like little anime character or something like that, like jumping around going like yaka. Um, but I uh, I just think he's a good driver. I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be one of these people joining up to the fan club. He there does seem to be almost a um like an under underground like low key Kimi Raikkonen love you know like my, like myself I have a. There's a bit of my heart belongs to Kimi, like I think most most people. Um, but there seems to be a little bit of that simmering underneath the thing. It's very strange, but people have really taken Sonoda, and I think he's got some good good years ahead of him in Formula 1, and it wouldn't surprise me if he snuck himself onto a podium because that car's capable of it. He had a bad first lap, lost a load of places, Still brought home in ninth in the points. And I think it must be a great thing as well on your debut in Formula One to score points. Get that one out of the bag first. Look at George Russell. It took, because of the team he was in, you know, Lewis Hamilton had to catch coronavirus for him to get points. So, you know, good on you, Sonoda. There's the first one off. Podium next, then a win, then 20 world championships. And like, whatever else you want to do. Um, eighth 
was Carlos Sainz. Solid first outing, I think, for Carlos Sainz. Listening to him in the pen, it made more sense what was going on with the race. He was saying his race pace was good, but he was just being conservative, trying to overtake people and move his way up the field because he didn't want to fuck his first race for Ferrari. That wasn't verbatim what he said, but it was pretty close. Um, I think Carlos, over the course of the season, as he gets used to that car, uh, will have the measure of Sergio Perez. No, no, Lee, don't say things just because you're reading them. He will have the measure of Charles Leclerc, I think. Um, He's a great driver. It's still... Maybe maybe this is like his moment as well. I think there's a couple of drivers on the grid where they're good drivers, but are they just going to be good? You know, it's are they a Gerhard Berger or John Lacey, or are they a Mika Hakkinen or David Coulthard? I put David Coulthard in the bracket of like could have been a world champion, or then Jensen Button's probably a better better example you know are are they Gerhard or are they Jensen because uh you know it's 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 easy to well it's not easy to hang around in Formula One obviously but I think there's certain drivers you look at Nico Hulkenberg for instance you know it's he was never going to be a world champion I don't think he had that in him to be a world champion you know he did he, he never got a podium but he was a good enough driver to just stick around in Formula One for a while because he could get a certain amount of a certain portion of the job done regularly uh but like people like carlos science we, we really do want to see now over the next sort of year two years are they potential world champions or are they going to be points podiums possibly a couple of wins drivers uh seventh daniel ricardo first race from mclaren uh i would say it's 50-50, isn't it? Because his teammate did really well. He he said he lacked pace in the uh, in the pen afterwards. I think you could see that. Um but he's just getting he's just getting used to the car. He's he's made the best move of any of the drivers, apart from Sergio Perez, but even 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 the difference between Perez and Ricardo, I think Ricardo has made the better move because there's more chance of Ricardo becoming a world champion with McLaren than there is of Sergio Perez being a world champion in Red Bull despite Red Bull being a championship contending car because we know Red Bull is Max Verstappen's playground um so yeah Daniel Ricardo he's probably going to be happy but he wants you could see he was I think he was grinning his way through disappointment in just being seventh if that car was better than seventh it argue i mean even even if he was just ahead of charles leclerc in sixth then at least he would have been behind the top two and his teammate obviously being behind his teammate isn't ideal but letting that ferrari sneak in the middle i don't think the ferrari is as good a car as the mclaren that's not ideal charles leclerc was sixth Good race from Charles Leclerc. He, I think he got everything out of that car he, he could do. It's you know, it's a couple of years ago, sixth and eighth for Ferrari would have been a nightmare. You know that we would have been in crisis talks. But where they were last year, I think we're all rather shocked. They're more competitive than we think they are. Um, 
I think it's, it's like I said, I've no idea where those teams land. I think McLaren is a better car than the Ferrari. I don't know whether the Alpha Tauri is better than Ferrari and McLaren. But those three seem to be the sort of the thick end of just behind um, Red Bull and Mercedes, don't they? They seem to be the the teams with the most pace. Uh, Sergio Perez uh, had issues before the start. They had to do some sort of electronical magic to the car. They had it in bits, went out to the grid, stopped, had to restart it, had to start from the pit lane. He was 20th year there thinking, oh, my God. That second Red Bull is actually a per, uh, like a cursed car. Uh, and then he put in a fucking stunning drive to get himself driver of the day, uh, getting past, uh, well, 15 cars. He was last. So, yeah. Oh, no, 14 cars. Mazepin. Um, and I, I, you just you can't rate him highly enough for drives like that. It's what Perez does, and he did it in a car that he's not even used to. I think Sergio Perez is fucking trouble for Mercedes because I I think in a few weeks' time, we'll talk about this in my talking points after we run down the drivers, I think he's going to put Mercedes in an awkward position. Uh, My boy Lando Norris finished fourth. I was ecstatic for him. It was a great drive. Finished the thick end of 20 seconds. No, thick end of 25 seconds ahead of his... um, his teammate, I think it was like 22, 23 seconds, wasn't it? Um, ahead of Daniel Ricciardo, I wouldn't have had that. Like, and it's he, he just he didn't seem troubled, did he? Through the whole race, he was he didn't quite have the pace to keep to get uh, involved with Bottas. He had the pace over Charles Leclerc, and uh, even when Sergio Perez got into clear air in the Red Bull, I don't know if you guys noticed on the timing screens even as the mentalness of what was happening in front of us at the, at the uh, sharp end of uh, Formula One, the um, he was matching with Perez. Like the when Perez got into sort of clear air and I thought, oh, is this where, is Perez going to hunt down Norris? I think Perez might have took a second and a bit out of him, but it was like, it was like nine and a half seconds. And then the last time I remember looking at it, it was still eight something. So, yeah, that was that was great. I was so happy. I'm so happy for him. I was hoping he would get on a podium, not just because I uh, I had a bet on him, just because I love Lando a little bit. He's such a he comes across as such a nice lad, and he's like it's it's odd. It's he's the first sportsman I've supported that I'm older than. That's a, that's an odd. That's an odd changing of the guard where as you start to get older. Like I'm 38 and uh, so like the, the the last sort of driver I was supporting before um before Lando was Jensen and and Alonso Alonso's always been there. Alonso's like a year older than me. Jensen's maybe 2 years older than me. So they you you kind of look at them as being the same age. So I remember when Jensen came in and Fernando came in and they were they were the same sort of age as I was. You have thought, oh wow, that's that's really cool. We could like hang out and be friends if I was a millionaire. I drove yachts and things. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's odd. It's I, I think you change it. I think when uh, when 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 you you're looking up at Damon Hill, you kind of look at these people as like an older brother figure. 
then when they end up being the same age as you, you look at them as like a a mate. This could be my mate. Then now I'm this age and I look at Landon Norris and go, ah, oh, wouldn't it be nice if my son did that one day? So yeah, it's 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 an odd it's an odd feeling, but it's not it's not horrible. It just means it just means I'm approaching the void ever quicker. Um Valtteri Bottas was third. Uh 16 seconds off his teammate. You know, it's I mean L- Lando did Ricardo by 20 seconds, but the difference being Ricardo had to race whereas Bottas was in clear air for most of the race and that's the important thing. He should have been able to manage his tires. He he complained that his strategy was too conservative. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I do not believe for one second that Mercedes thought it was a good idea to keep Bottas out of the fight between a Red Bull, which was a quicker car than theirs, and Lewis Hamilton. So I don't know why... There's no skullduggery there, Valtteri. Uh, And you finished 16 seconds behind your teammate. You were good for precisely, precisely fuck all in that race for Mercedes, apart from coming home third. Um, if Perez hadn't, let alone if he'd qualified right, yeah? Because Perez went out in Q1, I believe. Q1, yeah. No, Q2, Q2. Anyway, he had a bad qualifying. Um, even if he hadn't had a bad qualifying and he and he started where he should have started and didn't have to start from the pit lane, I think Perez would have been third. You know, it's, it's not right. And I, uh, again, this, it's one of my talking points when we finish doing this, doing the the rundown of the drivers. Um, big questions are going to be asked of Valtteri Bottas this year, and if right Red Bull are able to actually compete and really, really challenge Mercedes, which it looks like they are, to the point where it doesn't look like Red Bull are challenging Mercedes. It looks like Mercedes are going to have to challenge Red Bull because Red Bull seem to have the better car. Bottas has to be more than Bottas. He needs to be Bottas like 6.0. He needs to he needs to skip an update. Skip an update and go to the beta uh, beta drive. Otherwise uh or beta driver, sorry, because uh otherwise he's he's not gonna be able to help. Like he was no help today to there was nothing they could do with strategy to try and interfere with Verstappen. That the, he was just he was just driving around, just driving around quicker than the cars behind him not as quick as the cars in front of him uh, not just not good enough I'm afraid um, we might as well do Max and Lewis together because we got it didn't we we got the battle we basically got the reverse of Hungary when Lewis Hamilton overtook Verstappen after hunting him down in Hungary when Verstappen was on ageing tyres and Lewis pitted and then got after him. Difference being, Verstappen didn't get past. Well, he did, but he drove off the track to do it. Spo- spoilers, sorry, I'm going to tell you won the race. But realistically, if you're listening to a podcast after the fact about a race and then you get upset, I'm like, you tell me he was going to win. Um, Don't listen to podcasts after, like until you've watched the race. It's stupid. It's like watching the news. It's like, or, or open this newspaper from the back page if you don't want to know the results of the football. Yeah, man, you just went to listen to your voice. Doesn't matter. Just, I'm going to tell you the winner. Um, Max tried to overtake Lewis. 
he went around the um what would have been the inside ended up being, yeah would it work went on the inside what ended up being the outside of a corner where he was pushed around he went he was ahead when he when he on the track when he got when he got ahead of lewis wish you could see my hands here admit it, i look like i kind of know what i'm talking about i absolutely don't um then he went off i believe it was uh, the runoff area of t4 and he went off the track and came back on in front of Lewis Hamilton. Now, what we need to address here is, is all race to the point where he had to be warned by the driver stewards, Lewis was running off track limits. Now, they did say you could do that, but the stewards deemed Lewis was doing it too often and too regularly. So they've looked and said, look, he's not just running wide a couple of times here. That's now his driving line. He's using that as his racing line. We're not having it. He's doing it too much. So he's told to get his elbows in a little bit. It's not, you know, the key. Realistically, I suppose it's not like they're asking him to like drive five feet in. They just want two wheels on the rumble strips. That's what they're asking for. And he was like all four wheels off the rumble strips. So Verstappen does this, gets in front of Lewis. Um, they, they go around that little hairpin thing. And then all of a sudden, Verstappen moves out of the way, backs off, lets Lewis through. Red Bull have been on the ra- on the radio to him saying, look, we're, the stewards have been on to us, you need to hand the position back. Now, what he should have done, in my professional opinion, as a part-time podcast host and painter and decorator, he, uh, he should have let him through on the start-finish straight got right in behind him, followed him around the corner, got the DRS and did him into the next corner. That's that's how he should have done it. In fact, I be- it, almost to the point because it's the... They had to change the rules, didn't they? Because somebody did that years ago. I think, was it Vettel did it years ago? Vettel let somebody through but didn't really back off or anything and just overtook them straight away. And they, they changed it to where you have to actually go and get back in line with somebody when you when you hand the position back, I believe. Um, but the interesting thing here is Max then didn't have the pace to get back on him because like even my father, who I was watching the race with, turned around and said, yo, it's, it's, it's fine, isn't it? You know, he's he's going to let him back past, but he's only he's doing it easily like that because he knows he's just going to get back on him. But for some reason, the pace disappeared, and I can't understand why. I don't. I don't get. Unless, like, was that like that? Was that really the last little bit of tires he had? Like the the what he threw at him to get past in the first place was that it? Was that was that like those? I don't know. Half a mile, mile and a half, however however long the distance is, where he was doing, where he was fighting with him, was. Was that all it was that the tires had left in them? I don't. I don't believe it was. I don't think it was. I. I. A little bit of he thinks maybe. Maybe Verstappen lost the head a little bit. Maybe Verstappen. I mean, he could have picked up some shit from his tires, uh, from driving off track. But you've got to think that line must have been pretty clean because it's the it's the line the mercedes were using as a racing line for the majority of the race uh yeah i just i don't buy that all of a sudden he had no tires um and it does make me wonder whether he just got a little bit petulant and the fact he he didn't want to let lewis through he said on the radio on the way in you should have left let me stay ahead of him i could have made a five second gap 
thinking if he'd have kept the position, they'd have given him a five-place time penalty and he'd have still got the position. And he was there was a fair point from him because he turned around and he said, I'd have rather come second like that than this. And that's fair because as a psychological thing, he could have turned around and said, I beat you. Even if he got a five-second penalty and he ended up behind Lewis, he'd have won the psychological battle. Whereas I don't, you know, he didn't this way. He had the faster car, he had the fresher tyres, and he couldn't get past Lewis Hamilton. Um, stunning, stunning last stint from uh, from Lewis. Uh, you know, it's... Even Valtteri, Valtteri set the fast slap. He didn't even eat into the into Max and, uh, Lewis that much when he had the fresher tyres for the, those last couple of laps. Um, yeah, I just, I, I'm not. I'm as any of you that listen to my podcast, I'm not the biggest Lewis Hamilton fan. I appreciate how good he is as a driver, though. And at some point, sometimes when you see him do things like that, you go, "Oh my god!" Actually, like this guy's not just good; he's special good. Um, and but you see what he's done is there's three weeks now until the next race and he look at it is he's given Mercedes time he's given Mercedes time to try and get on top of whatever problems they have and don't fucking count Mercedes out they will get on top of these problems they might not be like all of a sudden ahead of Red Bull like they were in the past but they will at least be on par with them. And that's when Red Bull are going to have a fight in their hands. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, they had a fight in their hands today. The odd thing for Red Bull is, I think they had poor strategy today. And that's usually something Red Bull pride themselves on. I think they relaxed on their strategy because they knew they had the faster car. And that's come back to bite them. Um so that's all all we've got for the race. I thought it was a really good race. Uh, I don't think it was quite as good as uh, what some people say on social media. But again, I think part of the fact that people getting excited is you've got a Mercedes and you've got a Red Bull and there doesn't seem to be an awful lot between them. Uh, my three take-homes from the race. So the three talking points I think are the most interesting before I go and let you get on with your jolly lives. Uh, is Vettel done was the first thing I wrote down. I have been a staunch defender of Sebastian Vettel saying, this is fine. He just needs to get away from Ferrari. That will fix him. He will be back on board. Everyone will go, oh my God, Seb's a really good driver again. He's clearly one of the like one of the best on the grid. If he had a Mercedes, he'd be able to take on Lewis Hamilton, no problem. Um, but it doesn't seem to be happening, does it? Because even before... like. The bad luck happened for him in in qualifying. He didn't really seem to have the pace of Stroll. And I, well, just how, again, it's maybe I'll call this podcast. We'll just have to see, but uh, we will. We're just gonna have to see where if where he lands. I don't, I don't want him to be done. But there's a little bit of me thinks if he has a Ferrari year in that green car, like whatever we could be getting zero point energy anti-gravity cars next year and i still think sebastian vettel would retire because he's there's no way he must be thinking it now with his pace and how he's feeling in that car 
he must be starting to doubt. We always, I'm sure he's, I'm sure in Ferrari, he did a really good job of blaming Ferrari for all of the problems because that's what we do. That's what we as people do as a coping mechanism and as a way to to keep ourselves going, to keep ourselves motivated. We will find something else to blame. Uh, but if he's moved teams and he's got what you would call a fairly weak teammate, which is where... To be fair to Vettel, you know, and this isn't a criticism, it's just I think how he prefers to work, how I think Hamilton prefers to work as well, actually. Uh, he's got a weak teammate, but if you've got a weak teammate and that teammate has your number, that is that is less than ideal. Um, the arrival of Lando. I think this is this year, because we, we, we might as well talk about Lando and Science in the same category here. Uh, both drivers, their be- their their best benchmark has been each other. Both Science and Lando, both came across very competitively. You know, it's I think um, I think Lando just cut it on the. I can't remember what the point situation was. I think Lando might have beat Science last year by a point, and over the course of the time together, Lando had him just on qualifying as well but very evenly matched teammates um but it's like like i said are they gerhard berger and Lacey or are they jensen button and mika hakkinen you know it's the i, I wish wouldn't stop saying mika hakkinen because like mika hakkinen was a bit special wasn't he um but yeah they've i mean daniel ricardo we would I think if I turned around and said he was a world champion in waiting, more people would agree with me than disagree. I think he's uh, he's like a Jensen Button type driver where he just needs the car and the right situation, and I think he could be a world champion. Uh, so that's why it's important for Landon Norris to beat him because if Ricardo comes in in his first year in McLaren and beats Lando, then Lando is a good Formula One driver that will eventually fall out of Formula One, I believe. But if Lando beats Daniel Ricciardo, McLaren is his team. He's beaten the guy which could be a world champion. And he's so incredibly young that you you would have to think that this guy, give him the machinery, and he might be able to like put to bed people like Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. So yeah, that's it's it's an important year for him. But the, the same can be said for uh, Carlos Sainz, and I would argue it's more important for Carlos Sainz to beat Leclerc than it is for Lando Norris. Because I think if Lando Norris just matches um, Daniel Ricciardo, that'll be enough. But he'll obviously want to beat him because uh, I don't think I don't look at Leclerc as being a world champion I look at Leclerc as being like a really good Massa type driver Massa before the accident people always forget that Massa before the accident was pretty fucking fast um, so yeah I think like Carlos needs to make Ferrari his team and I think there's going to be explosions in that team because the uh the inner politics of Ferrari is always a dream, but when you've got when you've got two people like that that have to that have to beat each other, I think it's going to get pretty messy. Third talking point: um, 
is Bottas enough to help Mercedes? What happens? You know, we, we, we touched on this before. What happens if Perez gets his head around that car? Because it was difficult conditions this, this weekend. Thrown into a car, you've had like three goes in. Uh, your teammates, Max Verstappen, all eyes are on your team. Bec- all, all eyes are on you because it would now appear that they have the better car. Uh, it's a lot of pressure and a lot of learning for somebody to do, even someone like Perez, which has got so much experience in Formula One. But I think he's going to have the measure of Bottas really quickly in a, in a in a comparable car. In a couple of races, maybe two, three races, I think he's going to be pretty on the ball where he's going to be within that sort of magic half a second of Verstappen. And if he's half a second of in from Verstappen, he will naturally be ahead of Valtteri Bottas. If Bottas can't hang on to the leaders and is 16 seconds behind again, then I don't understand what Mercedes do because it's been in the past. You 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 might have had the odd challenge, like the, the odd race where Max Verstappen might have been able to extract enough out of a Red Bull to challenge, but it's only just been the odd race. Lewis Hamilton's been running away and winning championships. Bottas has been making like asinine comments about how he just needs to eat more porridge and he's going to be like Bottas 5.1.2 2020 edition. And it's not not been enough. But it's not been enough against his teammate. But when it starts to not be enough against other teams, that's when you're going to start losing... Constructors Championships and Drivers World Championships. He, I, I think if Bottas doesn't pick himself up, he will at least cost Mercedes the Constructors Championship this year. Um, because Red Bull have got a better car anyway, so he needs to be on the ball. Well, they've got a better car right now. Uh, he needs to be on the ball. So what do you do? What do you do if he's not? What do you do if come mid-season you've seen too much of Lewis Hamilton having to fight two cars because someone rightfully said, in fact, I will, I said, did anybody have any, uh, any talking points? And we, we were having a little chat about this on, uh, uh, on Twitter before. Um, I can't find the comment now. I should have done this. I'm just looking through my phone. I'm just looking through my phone. No, can't find you, mate. Yeah, um, if you, someone someone said you wouldn't upset Lewis in that team, you wouldn't like to stabilize the team, and that's fine. The team's stable because Valtteri Bottas can be com- continually beaten and only have his morale broken to the point where he can still perform, but he gets a bit sad. That's been the downside of Valtteri's performances now. But when his performances mean that you're leaving your lead driver alone with two Red Bulls, that can essentially force him into pit stops, block him, all that sort of, all that lovely stuff that um, Ferrari used to do to Mika Hakkinen, um, with a much better teammate, I must point out, than Valtteri Bottas is to Lewis Hamilton. Uh what do you do come mid-season? Because 
that's going to be destabilizing to a team. If Lewis is on, if Lewis isn't going to win his eighth world championship, not because he's a like a worse driver than Max, not even because the car isn't capable of taking him to it, but because he's got to take on two Red Bulls on his own. I personally think, come mid-season, if that's the case, you, as being a team which has, let's say, fingers in Williams, I think you take George Russell out of Williams in like in the summer break, and you put Bottas back in Williams, and you put and you put George in the car early, not next year. This is all ifs and buts, and we've got a long way to go. But the problem for Bottas is, and the reason I feel more confident in saying this is, we've sat here now for years watching Bottas do the same job over and over again. I don't believe he can do more, and he's going to have to do more if Perez can do more. So that that that's my prediction. I think George Russell will be back in that Mercedes um, before the end of the year to try and help Mercedes win a world championship for Lewis Hamilton. How how that would work? Who knows? Because let's let's be perfectly honest. If uh, George Russell gets a Mercedes, he's going to want to win a race. They owe him a race anyway for that pit stop and all the other shenanigans that went off off in that race. Um, you know. But I just I can't I can't see Bottas being able to up his game to be the the valuable teammate that they need him to be. Anyway, that all got very dramatic, didn't it? Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I'm I'm going to do it next week, but we're just going to talk about news. Then go the week after, and we're going to talk about more news, and then we'll talk about races and stuff like that. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for finding it. Do me a favor though, please whatever pl- whatever platform you're listening to this on share it because that's going to help people that would have normally listened to the hot lab podcast but don't realize i've shifted um because of like i don't know maybe missing a tweet or something like that um that'll help people find the new feed so yeah please do that um other than that just thank you for listening and i will see you all in a week's time bye bye Podcast Network.